in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is funny. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. Is now in. And a happy Monday to you. Glad to have you with us right here. Of course, TC Martin Show streaming live wherever you may be. Today, another jam-packed show where we recap a busy NFL weekend. College football playoff matchups are set. We'll dive into all that. Guest list packed today. Join us, Marco D'Angelo. He'll be by. We'll uh, recap what our eyes saw in the NFL. TJ Reeves will give us a live report from Tampa Bay as we get ready for Monday Night Football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the New Orleans Saints in the NFC South Division matchup. Big matchup there. And uh, also, uh, Chuck Esposito will join us from Red Rock. And Matt Holt giving it to us from the sportsbook point of view. So talk about the winners, the losers, the favorites, the underdogs that are covering uh, and uh, did over the weekend. So a lot to hit on today. Glad to have everyone with us. Hope everyone had a great uh, weekend. And we had a great football weekend here in Las Vegas starting back on Friday night at the Pac-12 championship game where Utah got the job done, defeated USC, uh, and really began to put the old spiral effect into what we're going to see now for the college football playoff, the semifinal set. So we had that on Friday. Then, of course, the Raiders on Sunday, where they get the victory over the Chargers. Nice comfort behind victory for the Raiders. So we'll break all that down for you as well, too. You will hear from Josh McDaniels. You'll hear from Derek Carr. Give you thoughts on the Raiders winning three in a row after that uh, two and seven start we talked about uh, three weeks ago. So, is there some hope for Raider fans? Sure, you know, right now you are you are winning the games that you are supposed to win, and the Raiders got the victory yesterday, and they finally beat a team that has a winning record. Well, barely. The Chargers came in here six and five yesterday with the loss or six and six. But hey, the Raiders have not had the toughest schedule. We talked about that from the opening of the season, and. They went in their little tank. They went in their spiral and they lost uh, games. They probably should have won, but this, you know, the Raiders have had one of the most favorable schedules of any NFL team this year. And now they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And you're supposed to beat the Chargers on your home field because the Chargers, a banged up football team decimated with injuries on both sides of the ball, uh, just got Keenan Allen back week before last. And uh, you had Justin Herbert with a banged-up offensive line, and you got to win these games, and the Raiders did. So congratulations to them. All right, so we'll talk about that. College football playoff, little World Cup, all of that uh, for the next two hours here, and glad to have you with us. All right, so let's start talking about the Raiders and the Chargers. 27-20, the final score. Very impressive performance by the Raiders. Like I said, winners of three games in a row beat the Chargers yesterday. But really, when you look at this game, it was really all about what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, and that's Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs rushed for 144 yards yesterday. Jacobs, a machine. He is leading the NFL in rushing, which is fantastic. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And if we go rewind to the beginning of the season, remember Josh Jacobs was kind of a foregone conclusion with the Raiders New coaching staff, new regime. They elected not to re-sign him. He's playing on an expiring contract right now. So we've seen players do this before, right? Where your contract is is over, basically, after the end of the season. And you're trying to have a career year to make millions of dollars here moving forward in the future. Will the Raiders be signing Josh Jacobs? Don't know. Didn't think so. That's why they didn't offer him an extension. I know Mark Davis would like to have him back, but the question is, does Dave Ziegler, the GM, and Josh McDaniels, the head coach, want him back? Well, how can you not want him back after what he's proven this year? Uh, he's a beast. He's a battering ram. He's got great speed. And yesterday's 
numbers by Josh McDaniels, or rather uh, Josh Jacobs, is much different than what we've seen the last few weeks because he didn't have these gaping holes yesterday. He was squeezing through some really minute holes yesterday and made a lot of that yardage himself. Uh, fantastic. So Josh Jacobs, 144 yards yesterday. Then, of course, what can you say about Devontae Adams? Really finding his groove here with Derek Carr, 177 receiving yards on eight catches. So if not for Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the outcome probably would have been a little bit different yesterday. But those two guys, really fantastic. And uh, they've been fantastic for the Raiders. Obviously, there are two offensive MVPs doing all of this without the injured Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, uh, just to name a couple. But uh, you know who also was big yesterday? And that was the Raiders' defense. Raiders' defense was really probably the biggest difference maker. Chandler Jones had a big day. Finally, we're talking about Chandler Jones in a positive light and not a negative sense because we've been talking about, well, this guy comes over from Buffalo, all-pro caliber guy, hasn't done anything. Came into this game yesterday with a half a sack. That's it. Half a sack. Supposed to be a sack master. Well, he had three in the first half against Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers uh, offensive line. So also made a huge play. Stopped uh, Herbert on a fourth and two in the first quarter as well, too, which uh, forced a turnover there for uh, the Chargers and gave the Raiders the ball back. Also, they shut down Austin Eckler, one of the best running backs in the NFL, only had 35 yards yesterday on 10 carries. So very impressive for the Raiders on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. And really what stood out to me, and I don't think a lot of people realize this because no one is really talking about it, but you go back and look at the stats, you'll go, whoa, the Raiders only had three penalties yesterday. Three penalties for 15 yards, which is huge. Because as we know, they're one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. And we had a couple games you know, where they're over 80, 90, nearly 100 yards in penalties. So they've cleaned that up uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, give the Raiders credit for getting the victory. They're still a long ways away from being a playoff team, but with everything that's happening in the NFL, with that added week, you know, 17 games instead of 16, they're still in the conversation. As we sit here right now, as we complete 13 weeks of play, the Raiders are only two games out of a playoff spot. And again, what you got to do is beat the teams that are in front of you. Now looking ahead, the Raiders got the Rams. You go back to the beginning of the season or even maybe seven, eight weeks ago, heck, maybe even four or five weeks ago, and you go, well, yeah, chalk this one up as an L. Raiders aren't going to beat the Rams. Why can't they beat the Rams? Everybody's beating the Rams. You know what the Rams' record is right now? Three and nine. They've lost six in a row. Short week, you got to travel. It's close, though, going down to L.A. And the Raiders, if they put, pick up a victory against the lowly Rams, who also decimated with injuries, no more Matt Stafford the rest of this season. All right, Aaron Donald, he's injured. Tons of injuries with them. They're playing out the string. The Super Bowl champions are playing out the string. We're a seven-point underdog on their home field to the Seattle Seahawks yesterday. And Seattle got the victory. That's what kind of state the Rams are in. But we'll talk about that game leading up till Thursday. But I want to touch on yesterday's game. All right. And we get to the highlights for you. So the day didn't start too well for the Raiders. They actually started with two, three and outs. And the Raiders have not been a good home football team. They haven't been a fast starting team, as we know. So I think for a lot of fans and thus of us, those in the media who were, who were there at the game yesterday watching and going, oh, here we go again. But yeah, they start off with two, three and outs. Josh Jacobs fumbles deep in their own territory yesterday, but it didn't lead to any points for the Chargers, luckily. But the Chargers got stuffed at the Raiders' 17 when they had a chance to get on the board early. But instead of kicking a field goal, Brandon, rambling, gambling, Staley, as I like to call him, we've seen him go for it more than any other coach and backfires on him more times than anybody else. Could have took an easy 3 nothing lead here, but... They decide to go for it at the Raiders 17 on fourth and two instead of kicking an easy field goal. And what happened? Chandler Jones came up with a big stop there to keep the game scoreless. The Raiders take over, but Derek Carr gives the ball right back to the Chargers. 
And there was an interception. It was a pick six. And just like that, the Chargers have a 7 nothing lead, courtesy of the Derek Carr pass. Now, the ball was tipped, but Carr did throw into triple coverage. Probably wasn't a wise pass. And the Chargers jumped out to a 7 nothing lead in the first quarter. Uh, Raiders made one first down on their next possession, then had to punt it away again. The uh, Chargers came up with a field goal. And just like that, the Chargers had a 10-0 lead early in the second quarter. Now, the Raiders finally got their offense going after that. Josh Jacobs scores on a 12-yard touchdown run, and the Raiders are back in it and cut the lead to 10-7, which was huge for the Raiders to get back into this game. The Raiders then tied it up with a 55-yard field goal by Daniel Carlson. So now we're at 10-10, and the uh, Chargers took the lead, though, right before halftime after... Dicker gets a Dicker, the kicker, gets a, a field goal for 34 yards out, and the Chargers have a 13 to 10 lead at halftime. All right, so now we go to the second half, and it's all Raiders. It started with a big defensive play when the Chargers fumbled. Nate Hobbs jumps on it, recovers it for the Raiders. So now the Raiders got a little momentum coming out of halftime, and uh, you know trailing 13 to 10. And then on the very first play of this drive, this happens. Jacobs in the backfield. Here are the Raiders at the 31. Carr going to go for it all. To the end zone. Caught in the end zone. Devontae Adams. Touchdown. Yes. Jake. Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. They light up the crowd there at Allegiant Stadium yesterday. A 31-yard touchdown pass, and the Raiders have their first lead of the day. They lead 17-13. to Then, after another stop, the Raiders get the ball back. Josh Jacobs rushes up the middle for 13 yards to the Charger 45-yard line. Next play. Tell that he is in the zone, and he is feeling it. Flea flicker. Going to throw it deep. Has a man open. Devontae Adams. Touchdown. Yes, the old flea flicker here. Came right away. And uh, you got Carr, handed the ball off, got the pitch back to him. Devontae Adams streaking down the field. And just like that, the Raiders found themselves down 10-0 earlier in the game. All of a sudden, now the Raiders have a 24-13 lead as, uh, you know, Carr to Adams again. Now, the Raiders are looking to put this game away in the fourth quarter. They have a long drive of 74 yards. They get down to the Chargers' six-yard line, but they can't get in the end zone, but they do get a Daniel Carlson field goal to make it 27-13. So the Raiders in firm control here, 27-13. You're in the fourth quarter, but this is the Chargers, led by Justin Herbert. So he leads them on a 13-play drive. They drive down to the Raider 35-yard line, and they're facing the play of the game. The play of the game is 4th and 12 from the Raiders 35, trailing by two touchdowns, needing not only a first down, but a touchdown to get back in the game as we are approaching the six-minute mark in the game. 4th and 12, game on the line. 23 for a first down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. <laughs> Keenan Allen for the touchdown. Keenan Allen with the touchdown. And Keenan Allen was talking a little bit of trash leading up to this game last week. Keenan Allen actually said that if the Raiders were going to be daring enough to play man-to-man coverage, especially on him, his quote was, hey, man, it's going to be like barbecue chicken. <laughs> He was right. Amik Robertson got burned like the barbecue chicken. I don't take your pick. The leg, the thigh, the breast. I don't know. But what a clutch play by Justin Herbert yesterday. On fourth and 12 from the 35, you're down two touchdowns. You got to get the first down. And what's he do? Strikes gold to the end zone. And just like this, the Chargers are back in the game. And there's still a 44 left to play. Now the Raiders are looking to close this game out. They're up 27 to 20. What happens with the Raiders? They punt. And with 5-12 left, the Chargers get the chance to tie this game. They got an entire five full minutes to come down here and try to tie this game up, send it to overtime. 
They drive down to the Raider 42-yard line, and then they face another fourth down. This time, it's a fourth and nine. Herbert, pass goes incomplete. And at this point in time, you're thinking, okay, Raiders are in pretty good shape. So now the Raiders have the ball, five minutes to go, but they can't run out the clock. Chargers have a couple timeouts left. Uh, they hold the Raiders, and then they're going to have to punt again. But the Raiders luckily got a couple first downs on this drive, so they punt back to the Chargers with only 31 seconds left to go in the game. But the Chargers do have the ball back deep in their own territory. That means one more chance for Justin Herbert and with no timeouts to go. And they had one shot, they gave it a shot, and this is what happened. He's had a really good fourth quarter, but it just doesn't look like it's going to be enough today. Herbert. Under pressure, throws, and that's complete. Middle of the field, the lateral. This is Eckler, and Eckler is running out of bounds. Herbert. Middle of the field again, and the catch is made by Carter. He can't get out of bounds. That'll do it. The Raiders doing damage yet again to the Charger hopes. And the Chargers fall to six and six with the loss. The Raiders improve to five and seven. Yeah, it's still five and seven, but it's a distant cry from where they were at two and seven. And three weeks ago, uh, the Raiders were looking dismal. At least they're playing some better football right now. All right. They get the victory 27 to 20. All right. Josh McDaniels talks about what he saw yesterday as he recaps the Raiders victory. Hard fought, hard fought win. Again, credit our guys for, uh, hanging in there. It wasn't, we didn't start the way we wanted to, uh, obviously. Um, but, uh, kept battling. That's a good football team. They're well coached. They got a lot of good players. And, uh, you know, I thought we just hung in there and made some plays when we needed to. Um, I thought defensively did a good job in the red zone, you know, keeping them off the, off the board there in the red zone, caused the turnover. It kind of jump started us there in the third quarter. Um, you know, hit, I thought we hit the quarterback and affected him a lot today on defense. And, um, you know, the offense, you know, again, didn't start how we wanted to, but I think we eventually figured out how to run it. Um, and then, you know, made some chunk plays certainly in the passing game that helped us. So, um, you know, football season after Thanksgiving. And I think our guys are kind of starting to figure some things out here. Um, still got a long way to go, a lot to learn, but, um, you know, I think, I think we've made some strides. All right, definitely uh, making some strides here. Good sign for the Raiders getting the victory. The head coach, Josh McDaniels, talking after the game. And you know, we talk a lot about the offense and talk about Derek Carr. We talk about Josh Jacobs and Devonta Adams. Those guys had great days, as we know. But the defense really rose to the occasion yesterday. Here's McDaniels talking about his D. We were a little bit more aggressive. Um, you know, but, uh, Pat really called a good game. I thought the defensive staff did a nice job of putting together a plan today that, um, you know, we could kind of keep them off balance a little bit, uh, play a little bit more man to man coverage, um, went after them a little bit in the blitz game. Um, you know, and then just, you know, we tried to get them into some situations where it wasn't, you know, second and three and second and two where they basically can do whatever they want. So, um, I thought we forced some longer yardage situations where our guys could really kind of pin their ears back and pass rush and, Thought Tillery showed up again inside Bilal. Some of those guys really kept the middle of the pocket compressed so our edge guys could make some plays. And again, it's a complimentary pass defense. It doesn't work if you don't, you know, get, you know, if you're, if you're not tight in coverage and you don't, you know, stop them from making those quick throws, then the rush sometimes can't get there. So, um, I thought our, our guys did a decent job in coverage too. Yeah, we're talking about the Raiders secondary and how bad this secondary, you know, is. Uh, they were torched a little bit yesterday, but they got the defensive pressure from their linemen. And again, Max Crosby, uh, looking at stats, not going to show up big, but obviously Max Crosby, uh, you know, drawing double teams yesterday and did free up Chandler Jones to get those three sacks in the first half. All right. But the Raiders do get the victory yesterday. Here's McDaniels talking about the, hopefully this is a sign of good things to come. I think every week's its own week. And, uh, this week's obviously going to be a very unique one for us, but, um, I think, you know, when you, when you start out, you have to have an idea of what you want it to be like and what you want it to look like when you're doing it right. And, uh, you know, you never play a perfect game in football. It's an imperfect game, but I think that the way we compete, how tough and physical we're attempting to play, uh, in all three phases. Again, I think we, you know, we ran the ball well. 
I thought we stopped the run, you know, decent today. And then, you know, I thought we covered kicks, you know, and that's those all three of those things are, um, you know, what we point to when we talk about toughness. And so I think our team has really uh, bought in and believed in the way to try to win that way. And uh, and I think you start to see some of the fruit, you know, of their labor here as we're as we're moving through the season. All right, uh, the Raiders feeling pretty good about themselves, and why wouldn't you feel good about yourself? You know, when you win three in a row again, you know, when you look at where this season could have gone, and now where it is going has the potential to go. We talk about Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs playing their best at the right time right now, and really with those two guys playing the way they're playing, it definitely takes the Raiders to another level. It takes it to another level. Um, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think when you, um, <clears throat> when you talk about those two guys, um, you know, whenever you call something that, you know, they have a good chance of touching the football, you kind of, you, f- you feel pretty good about it, you know, and, um, and, and they're the reason for that. They come through over and over and over again in critical situations. And I thought Josh made a lot of hard yards today. I mean, it wasn't like they were like, you know, gaping holes that he ran through and wasn't touched. I thought he really, you know, fought his way through the line of scrimmage and kept his legs going and really had an opportunity to to churn out a few hard yards. And then Tay just, I mean, what do you say? I mean, he just, you know, keeps doing it over and over again. And, um, you know, Derek gave him some chances and he comes down with them, you know, so um, two really, really gifted football players. Those two guys combined for 321 yards for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs with 144 and Adams with 177. The Raiders, two and seven, like we said, three weeks ago, improved to five and seven. Now, Josh McDaniel says, Hey, they still got something to play for. We never really discussed records or, you know, where we stood or we're not going to do it this week either. Um, you know, and, and the re- reality is, is, you know, nothing's been decided. Nobody's, you know, this or that or in or out or whatever. And, um, it's really just about playing and coaching your best football. And if you can do that and improve, um, I really believe that, you know, the teams that are ultimately going to earn the right to keep playing are the ones that play the best after Thanksgiving. And so that's our goal each week is we're going to try to figure out a way to do that and hopefully keep stringing them together. Keep stringing those uh, wins together, and they've got three in a row right now. And like I said, you go to the Thursday night game coming up here. It's a short week. You've got the Rams, and you got a chance to to beat a struggling team. All right, Derek Carr had a pretty decent day despite the the interception to kick things off in the first quarter. Uh, Derek Carr hit those two strikes to Devontae Adams. Here's Derek's thoughts on the game yesterday. The character was on full display today, um, you know, and watching – you know, watching our guys bounce back. I mean, we turned it over again twice. Um, why or the reason don't matter. I mean, we, it's what we did and we just make it hard on ourselves, you know, um, and then seeing everybody bounce back and keep believing, keep playing. And, uh, defense was playing great for us, uh, keep them, uh, you know, off the scoreboard and all that. So, you know, it was a good, um, you know, seeing both sides of the ball helping each other and playing that way. And the, the energy on the sideline was unbelievable. All right. The energy definitely was. Uh, unbelievable yesterday. And that's what happens. You know, when you are winning football games, people are going to come together. And I'll say this about the Raiders. You know, they did not have a lot of dissension going on during that three game losing streak. Right now they're playing together. Here is Derek Carr talking about winning three in a row. It's not always pretty, but winning sure makes things better. And if I'm, if I'm honest, we're still in the middle of it. You know, we're still learning. There's still things happening. It's not as efficient as I want it to be yet, you know, and. And that's frustrating, but we're trying our best and, you know, we're winning three in a row. You know, we're winning football games and, you know, that's what matters as we're figuring it out. And, uh, but to see guys, you know, we're starting to get there and we're starting to get some things, you know, dialed in and right. And, uh, sometimes it takes us a little longer than, uh, it should, but, you know, to see the energy doesn't change. You know, there's no one stressing out. There's no one pressing, you know, uh, because we all believe in what we're uh, capable of and, um, we saw that on full display in this game again, just like last week. All right, Derek Carr talking about uh, the three-game winning streak. And then we talk about Josh Jacobs, the phenomenal performance by the Raiders running back yesterday who continues to just to churn out yards after yards, game after game, leading the NFL in rushing. He's unbelievable. He's, um, you know, I've always said he's one of the best in the NFL, um, especially the way he – well, he's running with that mindset and that mentality. Um, 
he's been unbelievable. But, you know, he'll be the first one to tell you the tight ends, Yach and the O-line deserve so much credit on the, what they're doing and giving him just even, just even a little space. You know, I turn around sometimes and I'm like, I don't know. And then he squirts through, you know, and he's, he's, he's up there on the safety and he, you know, turns a two yard run or a three yard run into eight, nine, 10, 12, you know, whatever. And it's those little hidden yards that, you know, Oh, good run. No, like you can't overlook how special that is. Here it is. Uh, Derek Carr talking about uh, the great performance by Josh Jacobs yesterday. And then, of course, Devontae Adams, his buddy. You know, Raiders fans were looking forward to this connection between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Adams having a fantastic season himself, really kind of a career year, and uh, maybe much to the surprise of many, especially after kind of the slow start uh, when the Raiders were losing games and Adams was not the focal point, wasn't getting as many touches. Well, there's Derek Carr talking about the reason the connection with him and Devontae Adams is finally paying off. I think we're winning, Um, (laughs) if I'm honest. He's well over a 1,000 yards. He's well over 10 touchdowns. Everyone said that none of those things would happen. You know, I mean, we still have a lot of football left. But when you win, everything feels better, if I'm honest. Um, you know, there's things that we're working on constantly um, because we never want to feel like even even if it is getting – like we're having big days, we don't ever want to feel like we have it. Um, so we keep that constant pressure on each other. And if, you know, it doesn't look perfect, like if I don't throw it perfect, I'm like, hey, let's go throw it again, you know. If he doesn't feel like it was perfect, he's like, let me run that again. You know, so we, we keep that mindset. Um, but I think as we win, you know, now it's like, oh man, look at, they're figuring it out. You know, it looks great, you know, and, you know, forgetting the big days that he had prior to us going on this win streak. There's Derek Carr, uh, talking about him and Devontae Adams and the connection finally paying off. And then finally, uh, we go back to three weeks ago where Derek Carr was very emotional. Um, what has been the effect of that? Well, We've had three Raider wins. Does Derek feel that maybe what he said is finally getting across to his teammates? It was a quick three weeks, wasn't it? Man, um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, for me, I think it was just the frustration and the anger of certain things, um, you know, that I, I don't regret. Um, you know, uh, things needed to be said. Things needed to be handled. Um, and when you love a place and you love a you know organization, when you love something so much, I mean, you, you put your heart into it, you know, and so um, to see the way we've responded since then, um, yeah, that makes me, it's a proud moment for me. Uh, I'm happy about it, uh, but we, we got a long way to go until I feel really good about it. Derek Carr talking about the win yesterday. Three weeks ago, they lost to the Colts, lost to Jeff Saturday. They were at all-time low. Derek Carr is pouring his heart out, basically crying at the post-game press conference. They fell to two and seven. Now they win three in a row. They sit at five and seven. And a lot of the national media is having some fun with that, pointing to Carr's emotional press conference. But they're also giving him credit now as well, too. So maybe those words uh, connected uh, with his teammates. But whatever it is, uh, the Raiders are playing some good football now, and hopefully they can finish up here with the final five games and uh, end the season with a winning record, even though it may come up a little bit short from a playoff. But bottom line, like we said, hey, all you can do is beat the teams that are playing in front of you. And luckily for the Raiders, they have got a they've had a very soft schedule, so to speak. They're facing some teams that are having some down years: the Chargers, um, the Broncos, and uh, you know, even though Seattle is is playing some good football and they got another win yesterday, uh, no one expected Seattle to be where they're at right now. And then you got the Rams coming up on Thursday, the losers of six in a row, the defending Super Bowl champions. So we'll see if the Raiders can keep it up. All right. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more NFL. We'll talk college football playoff. Uh, Marco D'Angelo is going to kick off our guest list. Next hour, we've got Matt Holt joining us, TJ Reeves, and also Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. And uh, we'll preview a little Monday night football as well on this magnificent Monday edition. To more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Monday afternoon. 
getting ready for another week of football. The college football playoff is set. NFL coming your way tonight. We'll check in with TJ Reeves here in a matter of moments. He's live from Tampa Bay as we get ready for Monday night football between the Saints and the Buccaneers. But right now, let's bring in our good friend Marco D'Angelo, one of our handicapper extraordinaires. And another good week, uh, and it all started here Friday night at Allegiant Stadium with Utah up in USC. That really kind of put everything in motion to where we got with with our final four teams, that being uh, Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, and then the uh, uh, TCU stays at number three, and Ohio State slides into number four, but... Marco D'Angelo joins us now, and we talk a little college football playoff. And Marco, you called it, my man. Talked about Utah on Friday beating SC. Talked about K-State upsetting TCU. Two for two, my man. It was a good, uh, good day on Friday and Saturday for sure, and uh, we hit our top play on Sunday with Cincinnati. Had to sweat out, really had to sweat to both uh, Kansas State and Cincinnati, but they were great games, and uh, you know, at least the, uh, got to give the committee credit, they, they didn't uh, slide TCU down or out, they left them at number three, which they should have been, they shouldn't have been penalized for losing a epic game in overtime. I mean, what what a game that was, and uh, it was fun to watch, and uh, like I told you, I saw you Saturday night. Max Dugan, what a warrior. I mean, that guy literally put the team on his back and uh, almost willed them to the victory. You know, we talk about that you can't, you know, penalize a team for, for losing a game in overtime. I think at this point in time, yeah, we have to talk about penalizing teams that lose it at this stage. And the only reason that TCU didn't lose their place is because, you know, USC lost as well. And, you know, you can make the case that TCU could have slid to four, could even make the case that maybe Alabama gets in and TCU slides outside when you look at the whole body of work. I'm glad TCU's in there. It's it, they played a a fantastic season, but they played a lot of close games, beat some top notch opponents, but no one really has given TCU a shot. And I think when you're talking about the top four teams, the ultimate thing is, and I agree with Nick Saban here, you want to get the top four teams, the best four teams, and make a case that each team has a chance to win the national championship. As much as I'm going to be rooting for TCU. They're going to be a decided underdog. They'd be a decided underdog against anybody here. So I think they got to consider themselves, you know, lucky and fortunate because they got outplayed for a majority of that game by K State. K State wins the game and it wouldn't be wrong if the committee would have penalized TCU, either putting them at four or putting them out of the picture. I'm just saying when we get to this point, there are other teams out there that you can make a case are just as deserving or maybe even more deserving. If you're asking uh, from a betting standpoint where Vegas would put the top four teams if you power rated them and who would be favored over who, yes, in every one of those discussions, Alabama gets in. Um, honestly, and we've had this discussion, you and me as well, I think Alabama with two losses is more deserving than Ohio State with one loss because the difference being Alabama's two losses came by a grand total of four points, a knuckleball field goal at the final play of the game at Tennessee, and then a converted two-point conversion uh, in the final seconds of a game at uh, LSU. The key is those two losses were at somewhere else. Ohio State got the snot knocked out of them at home by Michigan. So I have a little bit of a problem with Ohio State, um, and I think they left TCU at three because you can't penalize them, like we said, for the game they played, and you can't have Alabama leapfrog two teams when they didn't even play on Saturday. But I think they stayed at three. As you pointed out, the committee didn't want to have the rematch, Ohio State and Michigan, right away. If they both somehow earn their way into the championship – that's a different story, but they didn't want it in the, the semifinal round. And, you know, you hit some key points there, Marco. And, and here's my point on the matter. And you kind of exclamation point, you know, my, my thoughts here. 
Here's the thing where the whole problem is with these four teams. Now, granted, okay, they've come a long way, but man, they, they, they've come a long way in a long amount of time as well, too, when we were just voting for one and two. And then, you know, we had to, you know, expand it to four and we should have expanded it to eight or 12 a long, long time ago. But that's a different conversation for another time. Here's the problem is, is that there is no criteria here for this committee. No criteria at all. There's not like, okay, one through five, this is what we look at. Everything is is just so subjective to this committee here, and we don't know. And you hit the nail on the head. I feel the exact same way. Alabama, with two losses, that's what just the average Hammenager wants to say. They want to say, oh, they got two losses, they're out. No, 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 no. It shouldn't matter. One loss, two losses. If Alabama is the better team, and you say power rated by Vegas numbers or from a, a betting perspective, but they're all correlated. I mean, power ratings, it should be whether you're betting or not, who are the four best teams? Plain and simple. And an Alabama team who got two losses, losses two games on the final play of the game against two top five ranked teams at the time, Tennessee and LSU, both on the road, the final play of the game. They lose one game by three, a field goal at the end, and then they lose on a successful two-point conversion. So you lose by one point. So, yeah, the committee should factor that in and who is against. And then let's talk about strength of schedule. I mean, Ohio State's strength of schedule in that Big Ten and non-conference games was 39th in the nation, Alabama number nine. So it just seems like that all we heard was two loss versus one loss. But as you stated, Marco, it is deeper than that. You know, who would be the bigger threat to beating Georgia? Heck, would we mind seeing, would you and I mind seeing Alabama and Georgia again? Of course not. But guess what? There are people in the committee and they feel that fans, oh, we don't want to see Georgia and Alabama because that would be the sixth time that they would play in the last four years. Think about that. And people say, well, I don't want to see that. But then to your point there, it's like, okay, we can't slot Ohio State at three because, oh my goodness, that means Michigan number two, Ohio State three would face it off in a semifinal. We just saw that debacle two weeks ago. People don't want to see that. So it just seems like there is so much of this other stuff that doesn't get talked about or pushed to the forefront. And why? Because there's no criteria for the committee or fans to follow. And you forgot that one other point in this equation. The committee absolutely locked Clemson out of the conversation because right. they moved them four spots when they lost by one to South Carolina, yet when Tennessee lost to South Carolina, got blown out. Granted, it was on the road, but they got blown out at South Carolina. They lost their quarterback in the game and everything, but they were losing – when he was still in there, too. I mean, South Carolina played a great game. They only dropped them two uh, positions. By moving Clemson by to four, four spots, and they were you know below Ohio State and Alabama, it eliminated them being able to win the ACC championship game and benefit from that. Uh, I thought that was wrong in their placing, and Dabo Sweeney, do you think he's kicking himself right now not making the quarterback change Mm. earlier this season? Because if he did, you know, for whatever reason, he was loyal to DJ, and we see that, you know, DJ's going to the transfer portal. Uh, He didn't have any problem uh, making a switch uh, on Saturday night, and this is a team that would have been a totally different team with the other guy at quarterback. You got it. Marco D'Angelo joins us from Wager Talk. Of course, Marco joins us each and every Friday, part of our Best Bet segment, and uh, hitting it uh, a little bit today with a recap. Speaking of the NFL, Marco, let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, quickly what, uh, what you saw over yesterday. Who was good to you? Who was bad to you yesterday? Well, the one that was good to me yesterday uh, was Cincinnati. And, you know, that was the premier game of the day. There's no question about it. And, you know, I went against a lot of history there. Uh, you know, you have playoff revenge for Kansas City, but you had that streak of uh, Mahomes in the month of November and December. The guy just doesn't lose. And it was a pick-the-winner situation, basically. The line was only two. And the two teams played an epic game. I think they each punted maybe once in the game. And Cincinnati uh, had an opportunity right before the half to go up 11 points. 
they were inside the five-yard line. They had a third and one. They run a quarterback sneak with everybody bunched up at the line of scrimmage. That is my biggest pet peeve, <laughs> TC, when I'm watching a game. And it's, you know, third and short or fourth and short, and they go with the jumbo package and everybody's lying. You know what? Run your regular offense. Spread it out and then still run the football. You've got a better chance of making that yard, spreading them out, than putting everybody right at the point of attack if you're going to just run the football up the middle. It drives me nuts. They got stopped on third down, and they got stopped on fourth down. Didn't get any points, and it was a key point of the game because Kansas City got the ball to start the second half, and instead of being down 11, took the ball down the field and had the lead in, after the first drive of the second half, but give Cincinnati credit for coming back. That was the most entertaining game of, of the day. The game that cost me yesterday, I went against my Pittsburgh Steelers. I did not like the spot they were in yesterday. I thought Atlanta was you know, a good home bet. And they had an opportunity to win the game. They actually did take the lead. Uh, they punched a touchdown in, but it got called back on holding. Uh, so instead of the go-ahead touchdown, they had to uh, start from first and 20. And they ended up not getting the touchdown settled for the field goal. And then they couldn't get back down there to tie. So that was what uh, it transpired for I'm me. I'm right now. Key. A couple of those people out there live over here in the neighborhood. They have to blow them out every game. All right, Marco D'Angelo uh, joins us uh, here. All right, Marco, let's talk a little Monday Night Football real quick. We got uh, Tampa Bay hosting New Orleans. Who you got and why? Well, I'm looking at uh, the Saints in this one, and you look at these two teams, and if you'd have told us at the beginning of the year that we would have got to this week, this matchup, and neither team would be above 500. <laughs> I, I would have asked you, you know, what you were smoking because nobody would have believed it. Uh, even though the Saints are sitting with just four wins, they're only one game behind in the win column. Obviously, they win tonight. They're back in the playoff race, as, as silly as that sounds. But if they lose this game tonight, TC, their season's over uh, because they already that would put them two games behind the. Uh, Tampa in the win column, and they have lost both games to them. So in essence, that's three games behind. Uh, they're not going to make that up. So you're going to see the Saints. They're going to take chances. They've got nothing to lose. They've got to win this game. When they get this spot, uh, I'm looking at the team that you've got two teams that on yards per play are top ten defenses. Uh, and I think the Saints, their biggest problem this year, if you look at them, has been the turnovers. They've had 21 turnovers, TC, on the season. Now, will they continue to do that? Well, you know, looks like, you know, they've had that turnover bug, but they're playing a team in Tampa that in the last eight games has only three takeaways. So maybe they get a cleaner game tonight, and that's going to help them. I also think they're going to have some success running the football against Tampa. In the last five games, Tampa has allowed three teams to run roughshod over them. Carolina rushed for 173 yards. Baltimore ran for 231 yards. And Cleveland ran for 189. Now, we know Baltimore and Cleveland has, you know, good rushing attacks. Uh, but Carolina, 173? No, not so much. I'm going to go ahead and look for the Saints to get the job done. And here's a stat on the Saints. Now, you've got to put an asterisk to it because this stat, most of it, obviously, was under Sean Payton. We've got a new head coach. But the Saints are absolute money when they're playing on the road, uh, revenging a same-season loss. As I said, they lost earlier in the year, so here we are. They're on the road trying to get revenge for an earlier season loss. How about 20 wins, only eight losses against the spread the last time that they were in this, the last 28 situations? And I'm going to go ahead and take them tonight to pull off the mild upset. All right, Marco, talking about a live dog tonight uh, with the Saints. All right, my man, uh, good job over the weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you at the Westgate on Friday, brother. And, uh, uh, keep eating well. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, uh, win winners like Cincinnati yesterday makes it real good. <laughs> That's good. And, and thank you for dinner on Saturday night. Uh, I know we were on opposite sides of that Clemson North Carolina game, but uh, uh, I know that's not why you went to the wallet. But I do appreciate that, my friend. 
I do. Uh, that, you know, you know <laughs> TC, you, you manage to win the money games. And the money games for you are the games that we disagree for you getting a free meal. That's, That's right. Just, I can't beat you there. I don't know why. I, I beat you all the way around, but I can't beat you on those ones. But, but I don't think you mind losing those games because you're eating just as well as I am, my friend. So there you go. <laughs> All right, my friend. Take brother. See you Friday. You got it. There is Marco D'Angelo. Wagertalk.com. Get Marco's plays at Wagertalk. And again, part of our crew and our best bets. All right. Well, we're talking a little Monday Night Football. Marco's taking the Saints tonight. It brings up a lot of good points there. And we know the Bucks have been reeling coming off that embarrassing loss at Cleveland last week. And our guy who was there in Cleveland, who was there tonight in Tampa Bay there, uh, Raymond James Stadium or whatever the heck they're calling it now. TJ Reeves, the Bucks sideline reporter, joins us now live from Tampa Bay as he gets ready to call tonight's game between the Saints and the Bucks. TJ, what's going on, my friend? Doctor, always good to be with you. We are uh, we are ready for Monday Night Football, and uh, the only thing I'm hoping for Marco is he doesn't have a whole lot of money on all of that he was just spewing to you. <laughs> because last time I checked. Uh, he even qualified it. Sean Payton isn't coaching. Drew Brees isn't quarterbacking. So the 20 and 8 stat in revenge games doesn't mean anything. This is Andy Dalton. Uh, and maybe Jameis Winston. We don't know. Maybe they'll go to Jameis Winston, which would be maybe a moment of hilarity if he throws an interception in this stadium after how many he threw for the Buccaneers. Uh, if they do elect to go and do that. Uh, look, the Buccaneers realize right now you're in the driver's seat. You have a chance to win this game tonight and basically put the division away as Marco was saying, and as you were saying, and as you know, and you're angry off the loss to Cleveland last week, a game that you should have put away, a game that you were winning. So now you're going you're gonna to look to go and take advantage of that tonight. I hear under the lights on Monday Night Football, Doctor. Yeah. So what is the mindset, you know, not only with the Bucks and as they approach this game, Saints coming off that shutout loss to the 49ers, but just the fan base there in Tampa as well. They're not used to 5-6 and six at this point in time. Oh, no. And certainly not Tom Brady. He's never been five and six this late in a season, uh, in either New England or Tampa Bay. But it's a, it's been a different odd year, and that, that you have got a chance to get back to five hundred. And I think Buccaneer fans are looking at this, and rightfully so, as are you a playoff team or not? And tonight is is the latest test of late in the season. Are you a playoff team? The Seattle game was the most recent test in Munich playing against a good team in that instance, and let's not mistake in the Saints for a good team. More on that in a second. You're playing the Seahawks, who are a good team, and everybody was saying, okay, if you're going to be a playoff team, you've got to start winning games like this one in addition to beating bad teams, and they did that, and they played very well and played a complete game. And by the way, on the running stats, this is an important point. The Buccaneers have gotten one of the big defensive tackles, Akeem Hicks, the free agent from Chicago, back from injury the last three games, uh, going back to the Rams game. He's now back. He's, uh, he's going to be in the lineup tonight. He's been kind of questionable again with the same injured foot, but he's going to play. And he makes a huge difference as a run stopper and freeing up the Bucks linebackers. And if you look, Nick Chubb did, did almost nothing for three and a half quarters last week. He got a lot of yards on the final drive of regulation and in the overtime to help pad the run set. They all count. I get that. But I don't think the Saints are going to have a lot of success running the ball tonight. With Hicks there, with Devin White and Levante David. So I think that's going to be a run struggle. And this is a New Orleans team that has won one game all the way back in week one away from home. Since then, they haven't won anything away from home. So if you're the Buccaneers, take advantage of this tonight. That's what the attitude of the fans uh, and the mindset is here tonight. Get back to controlling your own destiny. Get back to 6-6, six and six, Doctor. There it is. And Marco and I are on opposite sides. I'm with you, man. I, I, I got the Buccaneers tonight. I'm thinking they, uh, they answered the bell tonight. They're back at home. And again, you, you mentioned it. I mean, Andy Dalton... I mean, this is, this is really sad. I mean, it's kind of like Matt Ryan over with the Colts, maybe even worse. I don't know why isn't Jameis Winston getting the call with the Saints, especially for this game tonight. A little motivation maybe, for him. Maybe Dennis Allen and that coaching staff has decided we saw this for five years in Tampa Bay, and we started seeing it again here, and it's not fixable. We're not going to play him and have him throw interceptions. He will only be there as a backup. I mean, they had him as a healthy and active a couple of times. Yeah. I will be curious tonight if he is up along with Taysom Hill as the third quarterback for this game uh, or not. So let's see what happens here. Again, Brady at home, that's advantage. Buccaneers on the quarterback matchup with Dalton. Buccaneer home game is to their advantage. And again, you really wonder, especially if the Bucks do some things early, if the Saints just don't mail it in here. They, they realize it's been a bad season at 4-8, and eight, and you're on the cusp of being 4-9 and nine and out of it. 
with uh, with five games remaining if that's the case. All right. TJ Rees, we will let you get back to work. Uh, enjoy the call tonight, and maybe we'll uh, get some obscure shots of you there on the sideline while we're watching Monday Night Football. <laughs> you know? I will I will tell you that I am right next to you right now in the uh, in the press level. I'm right next to the ESPN booth. Messrs. <laughs> Buck and Aikman have not arrived as of yet. Oh, I did good. not go in and oh. sample any of their catering. <laughs> I did not go see any of their catering to see what they have, uh, uh, you know, especially uh, shipped in for them to work the game tonight. They have not yet opened the doors. They're going to do that here in about five minutes, about two hours before game time. They'll get everything opened up. And about 5.15 Pacific time, we will see what's what. And for the Buccaneers, it is a chance to be 6-6 six and six and very much relevant coming to play the 49ers next week in San Fran, Doctor. Uh, do you think you could maybe uh, go ahead and, and get in that booth next to Troy Aikman? And can we have a late substitution, Reeves for Buck? I think that all of America would appreciate that. <laughs> that would be a major upgrade, TJ. See what you could do there. All right, Reeves in, want, Buck you know, out. As, as you know, because we're, we're in the world of radio and we're radio stars, <laughs> I just want one of those TV checks. Can you and I work yes. out one, one game, <laughs> one of those TV checks? There it is. And if I could slide in and do that, I think I'd be set for a while. You'd be fine we'll for a 10-day working on that, doctor. A 10-day contract, just, just, just for one <laughs> yeah, game, would be fine. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Or like the, like the relief pitcher, let's go to the left-hander. Just, just put me in for a, a batter, an inning. All let's right. go. All right, brother. Hey, uh, I appreciate you taking the time and joining us. I know you're on the job there, so enjoy the call tonight, my friend. We'll be rooting for your Buccaneers. Always good to be with the doctor. What is the line now? Is the line what is three. the line like three? Right? It was three and a half. They're playing the Saints. Lay it's it. down to three. Lay, Lay it. it. <laughs> Lay it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be six and six when this is over with, brother. I don't know if you could say that. You're actually on the job there right now. I mean, I don't think you could I be. That. You, I don't think you could what be saying that. What am I supposed that. to say though? On the you want me to say this on the galactically famous TC Martin show? What am I supposed to say? The Bucks aren't going to win. Of course, the Bucks are going to win tonight. There you go, my man. All right, doctor. See you later. In, enjoy your pregame meal. There is TJ Reeves there in Tampa Bay as we get ready for Monday Night Football tonight. All right, hour number two. Coming your way on the other side, Matt Holt is going to join us along with Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. And we talk about it from a betting perspective, college football playoff, the bowl games, and of course, the NFL week number 14 uh, looking ahead. And we'll recap what our eyes saw yesterday as well, too. And we'll talk a little more Monday Night Football as well, because we know people want to go to the window you got that right. All right. Back on the other side of the hour here on this magnificent or manic Monday. Call it what you want here. But plenty heavy dose of football here on the T.C. Martin Show.